Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families, centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, here on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room. This is Mari, and I'm here as ever with my co-hosts, John and Craig. John, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Hello. Hello, hello. And Craig, how about you? <laughs> I'm great. Okay, guys, so think of these words and tell me what pops into your heads. So brokenness, restoration, redemption, and empowerment. Wow. So life. Life. <laughs> life. No, seriously, right? Yeah, yeah. It's that it happens. It all happens. It all goes down. And and if you're if you're, like I don't want to say fortunate because there's more than luck to it, but just you get to walk through all of those and you mm. come out in the empowerment. And yeah, not everybody gets to do that. Right. Yeah. We're all created for a specific purpose, and I think God gives us that power to live out that purpose. But sometimes we have to go through the brokenness and the restoration and the redemption to get there. What about for you, Craig? What's it's funny. You? Faith walk was what came to mind. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, literally, I think without. The storms, um, mm. you know, you don't appreciate the sunrises. And I think, you know, we all get driven into storms sometimes that we don't like or don't want to be in. But God uses them to restore us, to refresh us and show us, you know, the appreciation of the sunlight. So. Yeah. yeah. Even in the secular sense, I was somewhere with Barb the other day and I saw a sign that said, a calm sea does not a skilled sailor make. I saw that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And actually, I was talking to my daughter the other day and we were talking about dark versus light and how when you're in the darkness, you appreciate the light so much more mm. and how you realize that darkness is just absence of light, but the light is always there and available. Yeah. So anyway, that is, we just had this very esoteric conversation, <laughs> but we have a very wonderful practical book that we are going to be talking about today with its lovely author of that book who has walked through this. And so we can't wait to introduce her. But before we, before we have Craig introduce her, John, would you open us up in mm -hmm. prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come this afternoon before you just with praise and thanksgiving for the amazing, the amazing graces, for your sovereignty, for your dominion in our lives. We know that it is the most passionate desire of you that we be with you for eternity. And because that is your goal, you allow so many difficult things to be in our lives with the idea and the plan and the sense and the power that each of those things would draw us closer and closer to you. Father, we thank you for the way you think about our lives, the way you work in our lives, and the way you pour out abundant grace, even in our most broken and pitiful moments. Thank you for this, and we pray for an open mind and an open heart, and that you will touch each of the minds and hearts and souls that need to hear the message that will be shared today. Father, we lay all these things in Mary's hands and bring them to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 The Father, Amen. the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Way to go, rock prayer. Nice mm -hmm. job. Rock star of prayer. Uh, yeah, no, it's funny because we talk about you know the wonderful guests we have, and today we've been fortunate enough to secure another one. And uh, uh, Joelle Marin is a uh, is an amazing person. I mean, her bio is is rather lengthy so you have to bear with me but you know we've got her on the show really to talk about a book she wrote called master of the pieces um 
that talks about her life. So let me just read her bio, if you don't mind. So, you know, Joelle is an award-winning actress, speaker, author, and TV host who's been featured on various TV shows, including Life on the Rock on Mm -hmm. EWTN. Mm -hmm. Her message of God's healing love has radiated hope and purpose, which is what our show's all about, and the life to many around the world. So Joelle is recently starred in an award-winning film called Fully Known, which is about the identity in Christ, and is playing the role of Mary in an upcoming film, The New Manna. She's modeled for a well-known brand such as Jergens, and on billboards in Times Square, appeared on book covers, independent films, and news interviews, and is the former host of TV Trend. Joelle was also the founder and CEO of a luxury line of anti-aging makeup, which was featured on NBC and in Vanity Fair. All of that's awesome, but what we're really interested in is in 2012, she had a major encounter with Jesus, and his mercy was given another chance to love and lead others to him. After years in ministry, she now speaks full-time and also engages in faith-based film and TV projects to help others uh, closer to Christ. In her recent book, Master of the Pieces, was a number one release and a number two bestseller on Amazon for self-help books. And what's awesome about this, it's an autobiography, Mm -hmm. so it's real life and examples. And I'm not going to read the rest of this because there's a lot here. She's so well accomplished. But I want to welcome in Joelle. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really grateful. We are more than blessed. Yes, we are. And Joelle, we alluded to it a bit, but um, your autobiography that you're going to be sharing with us today is kind of a big picture of your entire faith walk, which is beautiful. And you add in there um, things to think about, You think uh, prayers, questions to ask, and probably maybe even questions you ask of yourself as you were going through some of this. But what we'd love to do is start this conversation today the way we start with a lot of our guests and just hear maybe big picture about your own faith journey, maybe growing up and what your faith sure. journey um, was all about. Yeah, definitely. Um, I grew up very Catholic and, you know, six years old, uh, had a, actually had a tragedy happen. So, I mean, you could see St. Mary's Church from our house. The priest would come over for dinner. I was like the most prayerful little girl you could imagine. Just this, just so sweet and innocent, like we should all be at six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, believed in miracles. And uh, we had a tragic, uh, a tragedy happen, a tragic house fire at six years old. And my whole life broke down to the ground. And I lost, you know, my home, my toys. But most importantly, I lost my sister, my only sibling, Maria. And after that, I asked God to raise her from the dead. He didn't do what I you know, knew he could do because I heard in Sunday school he could raise the dead. And so I thought he didn't love me. And so just kind of struggled in life a lot with a lot of the broken pieces that we all go through. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why me? Why this? Why now? And not being able to understand that God is actually with us and closest to us in this moment. So I just spent my life checking boxes. I went to church um, you know, during my school years on a Sunday, but I pulled away from God. My prayer life wasn't what it used to be because I didn't trust him anymore. Mm. I thought, well, he, you know, he didn't raise my sister from the dead. If he loved me, he would have done that. So why pray? You know, so my prayers became more of a genie in the bottle prayer. God, I want this. I want that. Asking for stuff, not a relationship, not, you know, true love as it's supposed to be and true respect for God. And then I kind of fell away from the church about 12 years and, um, you know, was caught up in the whole Hollywood scene and the modeling and the acting and just everything that the world told me was going to fulfill didn't. And we can go deeper and I go really deep into this, into the book. Um, bottom line is I <laughs> had a major miracle happen. Um, I'll share more about that later. 
and I turned my life around, returned to the church after 12 years, back to the sacrament, um, especially the sacrament of confession, daily mass, got a spiritual director, um, and this happened 12 years ago. And I've turned my life around, and now I've been in full-time ministry for eight years. Mm. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So, uh, so Joelle, we referred a couple of times to the book as an autobiography, and certainly it is a recounting of, of your life. But it doesn't feel, when you read it, like an autobiography per se. You've got parts about picking up the pieces in a prayer. You've, it's a, got a genuine structure to it that makes it very easy to follow and actually very useful. So when you wrote this, why did you write it? And why did you write it like you did? What do you want people to do with it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the book took four years to write. Um, it, it It's really, I hope it's not about me. Yes, it's my life story, but it's really about the common broken pieces right. that we all experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear, rejection, abandonment, grief, loss, broken dreams, you know, like all the things that we can connect on, even if our stories are different. And um, because I had this miraculous encounter with Jesus that I'll share in a little bit, I wanted everyone to have some sort of illumination of their soul that through, not through me, but through the Holy Spirit, that when they read this, they say, oh my goodness, I've been through something like that. And these reflection questions and prayers allows all darkness to come to the light so that Jesus can heal it. Because the thing is this, um, we are broken people, yes. We, and we all have wounds, right? But we're called to become wounded healers like Jesus. And we are not called to stay stuck in the shame and stuck in the past. Uh, that's not the gospel, right? So mm-hmm. the whole message is that we're the Easter people and Alleluia is our song. That's what St. JP2 says. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I wanted to get across is while I had a horrible, tragic childhood and I lost my sister, I didn't know that there was a resurrection, and we can't be living in the grief, in the wounds, in the hurt. We have to be walking around in a resurrection mentality, not saying we don't have pain. You know, right. when Jesus reappeared after the resurrection, we know his wounds were still visible. Mm-hmm. It's not about hiding our wounds or being ashamed of our wounds. It's that our wounds become a source for God's glory when he goes in there. And now we can actually connect with other people better, and we can help them. So Master of the Pieces, it's about building a relationship with God, allowing his light to flow into that woundedness, really restructuring our identity so that we start walking around in this resurrection mentality as like seriously anointed God Mm -hmm. who can make a difference in the world. And then of course, moving into that mission, because if we just pray to God and then we're like, we don't know who we are, we're never going to move into mission. And if we pray to God and we know who we are and we do nothing with it and we don't ever move into mission, we're going to fall back into woundedness mm-hmm. because exactly. we are made to love. We are made to be selfless, not selfish, you know. And so a lot of Master of the Pieces is just just pulling back the curtain and just the real struggles that we all have. We're all prone to selfishness. We're all prone to, you know, why me, why me, why me? But when we let God go in that place, he's like, forget about that. It's what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. How are we going to move forward? And I just want to break the chains. I know, you know, God has broken chains for me that were holding me back. All these fears, all these worries, all this like misdirected use of the gifts and graces I've been given. I want to help people to move past whatever they think they can't do because God says you can. And that really, my message is an overcomer story. You know, it wasn't like I had a lot of people as, as successful as it sounds like I, I am, right? And praise God, glory to Him. 
I didn't have a lot of people saying, clapping along the way, saying, you're so wonderful. I believe in you. You could do this. My mm-hmm. goodness, I would pay money for somebody like that. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> I still don't have that, you know. But, but when we turn our lives to God, we don't really need, I mean, you don't even need me to tell you that. When you have God telling you directly, you can do this. I believe in you. Yes, we believe in God. But by the way, he created us because he believes in the unique mission that each of us have. I just think that, you know, our part doesn't count, then we're missing the whole picture because none of us can do it alone. We all need each other and need to come together. Yeah. You know what? I, it, it's awesome because I think the, the message the world needs today more than anything, Joel, is uh, we can be restored. There's a lot of hurting people out there. But I mean, your story about your six-year-old experience is, I mean, really is tragic. Do you mind going into it a little bit deeper and explaining it so people kind of understand the depth of it? Because, I mean, it's... It brought a tear yeah. to my eye listening or reading your story. Yeah, and how it affected you going forward, yeah, I mean, right? That yeah, piece, it didn't yeah. just stop there, right? It was it was a, a kind of yeah. a... Yeah, please. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, it was... I, I woke up in the middle of the night uh, in New York a week before Christmas, and the whole front of the house was already gone. I could barely hearing, hear my father screaming through the flames, you know, because it was just roaring flames. Everything was so loud and so dark. And he was screaming, Joel, there's a fire. Get out, get out, you know. And I could barely find my way to him. But I did. I eventually did. I jumped into his arms and he carried me through the flames. And, you know, somehow I wasn't burned. <laughs> kind of like a Bible scripture, right? We've heard of that before. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I wasn't. And there was only one way left out of the house. And my sister's door was near that. It was uh, these basement stairs to get out. And um, he was trying to get to her. And he just wasn't getting anywhere. And his arms were getting all burnt up. And it was just, you know, and I was scared to run next door and get help. There's more details in the book about it but you know he came with me to get help everything that could have went wrong that night went wrong there was a volunteer fire department on the street they thought it was a prank call well first the phone lines didn't even work we didn't get through then they thought it was a prank so like time was of the essence and then when the the firefighters came my father tried to run back into the burning house and um you know there's broken glass all over Mm -hmm. from they were breaking the windows. He didn't have on the proper gear. He took like an ice cold hose and like tried to hose himself down to run back in. And I just saw like in that moment, a glimpse of the love of the father, mm-hmm. you know, that God would run back into the flames and would run into the fire and would sacrifice his only son, you know, to to save us. Um, but eventually they did. They didn't let my dad go in. They held him back. And, you know, but I just got to witness that. And when they, by the time they got her, she was still alive, but she was unconscious by um, her floor, you know, on the, by her door on the other side. And they got her back to the hospital. They took me and my father there for smoke inhalation because we could barely breathe. And, you know, I was praying again in the hospital, and I just said, Lord, please don't let my sister die. Like, please, I beg you. And then the doctor came in and, you know, gave us the worst news we could ever hear and said she didn't make it. And then my dad came, like, running over to me, just wailing and and screaming and just clutching onto me for dear life. And I was six years old. I couldn't really, you know, handle that. And, again, this love of the father, the groaning in his heart. And I just knew that day that my life would never be the same, but I didn't understand exactly how. But that day I literally lost everything i lost again my house my clothes my toys my only sibling and now i lost my parents to and my whole family to this enormous grief you know and my mother 
she ended up, and she's her and my my father's recently passed, but they both have given permission to share their story. But my mother even ended up in a mental institution for a little bit. She couldn't handle it, mm-hmm. and till this day, she suffers with depression. And my father was an alcoholic. And up until the week before he died last year, he would scream at night, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. And he lived in self-blame, you know. And when he was on his deathbed, I I was able to forgive him for not being there for me, obviously, because of their grief. But what was the saddest thing was that this is a man that God had a plan for that didn't live, that didn't fill his good column, that, that he was a good person, but the grief and the flames consumed him. And so the deeper why of Master of the Pieces and the deeper why of what I'm doing, what I'm doing is because we can't let the flames consume us. You may have not had a house fire in your life, but I can assure you that you have had a fire. I can assure you that you feel like your life has been burnt down to the ground before. Maybe it was a loss of a loved one. Maybe it was a loss of a dream. Maybe it was a loss in a broken relationship and someone just absolutely smashed your heart into pieces. But we can all relate to the fires in our life And truly, you know, these fires only have the energy and the power that we give them. But when we start to realize that we are not walking through them alone and that God is with us and carrying us through them is where the redemption and the healing come. Mm. We can't let the flames consume us. We need to become the fire. So we are here with Joelle Moran. And as you just heard, so passionate about um, walking into uh, redemption, restoration with God. So as you shared that, I think so helpful for all of us to hear, because as you just said, we may not have experienced a tragedy like yours, but we have experienced tragedy. And, you know, I I can't help but think about the dichotomy between the gift of faith that you were given in this process, and then what happened with your parents, because obviously that experience shaped your life um, in negative ways, but it also, you got to see at the same time, the love of a father, you got to see God's hand in this. And um, so there were elements of this where he was already shaping what he was going to call you into. And um, and I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry about your parents. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and even if I couldn't see it at the time, I see it now, you know, in reflection. A lot of times we don't see God with us in those moments while they're happening. Mm-hmm. But looking back, he never left our side. And it is my complete belief, and I know it's in the scriptures as well, that he's close to the brokenhearted, that in the our moments of our deepest dark darkness, he's closer than we can ever think, or ever imagine. And his heart, he cries with us. Mm-hmm. We don't have a God who's just like, oh, yeah, sorry that happened. Like, you know, no, like he, he's crying. His heart is broken. We have a brokenhearted yeah. father who never wanted his children to suffer like this, but then promises to bring a greater good, you know. Mm-hmm. And we also have the joyful heart of the Father through the resurrection. Yeah. Well, I, I liked what you said, and I'm sure you both caught it as well, when you said, you know, you, you, we've all had fires in our life, and we're called to become the fire, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meaning you turn that tragedy into a light, into a warmth of God's love for other people mm-hmm. and drawing people to yourself. So that was a unique way to put it, and I appreciate that. That was, that was a wonderful uh, vision <laughs> to be 
you able thank to you. Yeah, hang out to. I think that's, like, that's the only reason I could write this book or share this story. You know, my deepest why is actually my deepest why is my sister. And my second deepest why is, you know, what happened in my life that I want people to live and fill their good columns and to not get stuck in the fires, you know. But if my sister didn't die, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. And mm-hmm. the message wouldn't have reached hundreds of millions of people. Not that I ever thought that was going to happen or tried for that to happen. That's a God thing. But isn't that a greater good um, that he brought out of it? Not that he wanted her to die, but that now he can bring relief, you know, through me and through this tragedy to all the people suffering in the world. And then those people can learn to share their story. So even in the back of the book, you put your own story together. Mm -hmm. So there's all these reflection questions and prayers throughout the book. And there's a workbook coming out next month as well. Each chapter in the workbook has identity lies and all the scriptures that go against the lies. So big part of my healing and the big part of the healing for all of us is like, well, what does the scripture say about the lie? I'm not a Enough, right. or God doesn't love me, or God doesn't yeah. hear my prayers. And these scriptures, I'm telling you, they they really cut to your heart. They pierce mm-hmm. interiorly. There was one scripture, I mean, I've read the Bible a couple times, and I'm, not, I'm kind of bragging about that because I'm a girl, you'd never think who would have, you know, and I study scripture, but there was one I missed, and it was along the lines of if we are praying for God's will, we can assure, like, he is not only hearing our prayer, we can count it as done. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. means if we ask God for anything and it's within his will, it's done deal. Mm-hmm. So he hears our prayers. A lot of times I think we think he only hears our, we, we'll tell somebody else, oh, God hears your prayers. God loves you. It's going to be okay. We could say that to someone else. And then secretly we think he doesn't hear us. We think mm-hmm. he doesn't see us or know what we're going through. You re- you're reading Gem, my journal. John and I just had this discussion the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, but we both wrote, wrote that in our journals. Lord, do you really hear us? Do you really see us? Even though we Believe it and tell people. And about tell it. all people all the time yeah. with a passionate belief that this <laughs> yes. is how it is. But yeah. then you look in your own life and you're like, yeah, but not necessarily here. Right? <laughs> and he does hear us. Sometimes though, his his answer is no right. because he right. knows what's better. And you know, you just yes. you just described my life verse, which is Romans eight twenty eight. You know, he God can um, bring all things to good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Right. So he. Um, he makes good come out of it. It just may not be the good we thought, like you said with your sister, right? There's so much good that's come yeah. out of that tragic, tragic yeah. situation. And, and and as you can see, when I share this, the pain is still there. Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. mention pain that. Yeah. I yeah. don't think pain goes away. Right. Being, you know, a wounded healer or letting God heal you, you know, again, it's not that the wound doesn't exist. It's just that now his light shines through. Now it glorifies God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just a difference, you know, it's, there's a difference of when we're being consumed by the fire and when we're sharing the fire the new fire within we'll talk so about it's okay for anyone suffering yeah to have emotions and to have pain just like i said i i believe with everything i have that god cries with us mm-hmm. and so this is human we shouldn't be ashamed of that but we just need to be able like to keep moving forward despite the pain having peace and joy in our hearts in the midst of our suffering yeah We'll talk a little bit about it a little bit later, but through the entire book, it's obvious that you, through the whole restoration and as the victory is won, it still comes out very clearly that there are still struggles. And for me as a reader, that was good to say, okay, all these awesome things have happened to this person and there's still this sense of struggle every single day. And 
We haven't obviously haven't seen yeah. the workbook yet, but when you think about spiritual warfare, it's always about what are the lies and <laughs> and what is the scripture that, that contradicts mm-hmm. that. Jesus did it in the temptation, right? The Satan produced yeah. a lie and he responded with a yeah. scriptural truth. So I'm anxious to see yeah. that actually. And and it is funny. It's just so funny that you say that. It's so true because uh, you know someone said to me. Um, how is your life now that you have no suffering? <laughs> and you think I have no suffering? No, I. that's not the gospel. The gospel is not suffering going away. Matter of fact, if you're going to serve, God is going to increase, but your joy will increase in proportion to it and also will our treasure in heaven. And so things are ongoing for us because even Master of the Pieces, I've reread my own book to be healed over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that people uh, stop hurting us or we don't stop having hurtful situations happen in life it's that we now have a place to go we have resources we have the scriptures we know the truth we know how to receive the sacraments in a new way we know the you know what replacing truth with these lies is a huge like you said way to conquer spiritual warfare no it's not that people won't hurt you or try to tear you down I mean, if you're doing god's work there's going to be all, all the all the time things coming against you they came against jesus mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. they betrayed him his own people you know so we just have to be aware the suffering's not going away but now we know how do we get out of these situations how do we if someone smashes us how do we let god restore us a lot quicker Mm -hmm. it's kind of like bouncing back moving forward you know building a little bit of a thicker skin i also realized that the only person that really matters who thinks of us is jesus like we can't worry what other Mm -hmm. people think most people aren't plugged into god Mm -hmm. why do we give them so much power in our lives that they say they didn't like and now we should obviously always be working on ourselves and if it's someone we truly trust you know we should be able to take constructive criticism or feedback and always be growing but most people aren't doing that most people just want to knock you down because they're jealous or what you know or they Mm -hmm. don't understand your situation and nobody understands what you're going through more than god so all that matters is what he says if he says i want you to do this or you can do this do what he says don't yeah. listen to anybody else. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny. I've I've talked to friends about that. I've actually was just talking to a friend this morning about that same thing, that Jesus will convict us, but he will never condemn us. So if somebody speaks something, like you said, somebody gives you a really harsh word, take it to him. Take that thought captive. Take that word captive to the obedience of Christ and say, God, is this something I need to do something about? Let him be the one to tell you whether it's feedback or whether it's just jealousy or something that's not from him. Yeah. I love I love yeah. how you're describing that. That's so helpful. Yeah, and we and we also get if you read my book, you know, we also get attacked a lot of times at our giftings. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. And that's that's actually reveals where God wants to use us. A lot of times, the very thing that we we're told we're not enough in, or we think we're not enough in, or that we're just constantly attacked on is usually where there's a gift because the enemy is so afraid of what we'll do if you actually use what you were supposed to do. He's terrified of what this world would look like if everybody was just moving forward, walking in a resurrection mentality, knowing God was with them. That's a good way to uh, take us to the break. It is, it is. So please stay tuned, listeners. We are here with Joelle Marin, and she wrote a book called Master of the Pieces. We'll also make sure you know how to get that book, but stay tuned. We'll be back after this break. We'll be right back in the family room, sponsored by Versprite, right after this. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. 
I am Father Tony Blunt from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. This is one of my favorite prayers, the act of faith. O oh my God, I firmly believe that you are one God in three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe your divine Son became man and died for our sins, and that he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches because you have revealed them through our eternal truth and wisdom who can neither deceive nor be deceived. In this faith, I intend to live and die. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Did you know there are many men and women who are providing for their families through work in an abortion clinic? The money is good and people often get trapped there. And Then There Were None is a registered nonprofit organization that exists to help abortion clinic workers leave the abortion industry. This ministry is providing the means for abortion workers to safely transition out of the industry and into a life of freedom, with immense support and without fear of exploitation. Abortion workers have been able to confidently get free help through a variety of resources available through this ministry. This is a game changer in the battle for life. To help abortion workers leave the industry, visit abortionworker.com for more information. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. This is Dr. Ray Gurendi from The Doctor Is In. Okay, I'll confess. Years ago when I was asked to be on Catholic Radio, I peremptorily said, uh, no thanks. But I was talked into a temporary assignment, if you will. And then I realized over the brief period of time I was there, the power of Catholic Radio. As I got emails and letters from folks who have come back to the church, whose families converted, whose lives were made better, no doubt in my mind, the best bang for the buck is Catholic Radio. It's training for the troops. It makes better Catholics, better Christians out of the folks who listen, and then they go out to transform the world. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like The Doctor Is In available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of our Catholic radio family. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Hey, this is Father Eric Hill from the Catholic Church of the Transfiguration in Marietta, Georgia. And you're listening to AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Verse Sprite on AM 1160, The Quest. And we're here with Joelle Marin, who has written a great book on Master of the Peace is being restored, redeemed, and empowered by God. You've done a, an amazing job kind of detailing the beginning parts of your story and what God's been doing. However, we do like you to talk about a family room memory. What would you like to share with our listeners on a family room memory? Yeah, so right away what I think of is at my grandparents' house. So they lived down the street from me growing up. And since my parents were so consumed in the grief, and not that my grandparents weren't, of course they were, but they um, really raised me. So they were acted as my mother and father in life. My grandmother made my breakfast every day and, you know, made my lunch for school. She drove me to school and back to school and I went there after school. So she essentially raised me and, and we were super close. But my best memories, I'm from an Italian family. So just the, um, we would sit, literally, there wasn't enough chairs for everybody to sit around <laughs> in the living room. You know, of course, as a child, I was always the one, I didn't get a chair, I was on the floor. And my grandfather, um, and he was an Italian immigrant. He would try to tell jokes, but he would laugh at himself. <laughs> 
telling the joke before he told it. So we were cracking up at him laughing at himself, and he laughed harder thinking we think he's funny. <laughs> ever even, we never even heard the joke because he, I mean, he was just laughing, and we couldn't figure out what in the world he was saying. And so it's just one of my memories. Just so, I mean, it's so simple, and it's actually one of my favorite memories, not just in the family room, in my whole life. When I looked back, and I do um, in the book ask you to bring up, especially in the workbook too, certain memories. We need to hold on to these good times. You know, there are moments of light in our life and not just focus on the darkness. And I just kept thinking of, like, what a simple thing. It didn't cost money. I mean, although pasta Sundays, so that's part of it, too. We all did that fantastic meal. But just hanging out, laughing together, being together, and then they would share stories of their childhood. And my grandmother actually wrote a book at 84 years old called No More Holes in My Shoes. And she grew up as an orphan and very poor um, with... 14 children her aunt had to raise, you know, and at eight years oh, old. Wow. So she had holes in her shoes from walking to church to pray to the Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were just, when you walked in their house and in their family room and there was, you know, pictures of Jesus and Our Lady everywhere, it was like just a hug from God. And so I really think their simplicity taught me so much that it doesn't, you know, the world will sell us all these pleasures. And I'm not saying go on vacation, enjoy, you know, the beach and and the things God made. That's fantastic. But also just enjoy the simplicity of just being together, having that connectedness, having that unity, especially family unity in Mm -hmm. a time that we live in where there's such an attack, you know, against families. That's my favorite, not just family memory, one of my favorite memories of my entire life. Mm, It's beautiful. Awesome. You know, and a lot of our listeners are grandparents. And so I think it's always so beautiful for grandparents to hear, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. What an amazing role they can have in their grandchildren's lives. And so not just making you breakfast and and telling you half jokes or, you know, (laughs) that type of thing, but also your grandparents' faith obviously had a huge impact on you, even at a time where, as you said, you had distanced yourself from God. You had stop trusting him because he didn't raise your sister back from the dead, even though you knew he could, um, and you were dealing with what was going on with your parents. But um, your grandparents, really, their faith really sustained you. So obviously from the bio that Craig shared at the beginning of our time, you started doing amazing things in your life, and you became a model and an actress and the CEO of a beauty care company. But you also say in your book that my biggest high was my biggest low. Would you take us to that part of your story? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I grew up on stage. My mother also had a theater company. So I've been acting since I was five years old. Mm -hmm. The problem was I started wearing a mask. I was hiding behind the characters. And Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, I'm like, you may not be an actor, but you're a good actor. And they're like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know how to put on a good face and pretend your life is wonderful. You know, and that's kind of what I was hiding behind because the world said, if you do this, you're going to be happy. If you do this, you're going to be successful. If you do this, you know, everything's going to make sense in your life and you've fulfilled your purpose. It's just not true. Without God and without him guiding us, we don't know what to do. We don't know what's good for us. And so I got to this point where I checked every box of anything I ever thought I wanted and had what looked like worldly success. But interiorly, I had absolutely nothing because I was away from the church for 12 years and just my prayers were shallow. It was like, God, I want this. I want that. You know, do this, do that. It wasn't like, what? what is good for me? Like you said, God doesn't always answer our prayers in the way we want because he has something better, not because mm-hmm. he has something worse. But I never asked him. And so I got to this mountaintop moment. I'm in Los Angeles. 
wearing a $4,000 dress. I have the Hollywood sign behind me. And, you know, in the photo shoot, I'm holding a compact mirror. And I look at my reflection and I just, it, it really caught me off guard because the person in the mirror didn't match the person inside. Mm-hmm. It looked glamorous. It looked amazing. But I know that I was so poor inside that I had nothing. I was just empty. And that day, though, it was kind of like grace began to enter because I know I needed more. Mm-hmm. I know this can't be it. This can't be it. I spent that day on Rodeo Drive on with celebrities, you know, and had temptation after temptation. I can't even believe the things I was thinking of doing. And I thank God that I was even shielded from them. And I, by 2 a.m., I stumbled back to my hotel room, just completely smashed to pieces. And it didn't happen overnight. It was all the things that happened along the way that you'll read in the book, all these broken pieces, I just kept sweeping under the rug and putting on a front that I had it all together. And that night I broke down crying on the shower floor of this fancy hotel room in West Hollywood for hours and hours just weeping. And it was a simple prayer. It was just, Lord, I need you. It wasn't a fancy prayer. I don't even know what, I don't even know how else to pray at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. just Lord, I need you. I don't know who I am. I don't know how to find that out. I don't know how to feel complete. I have no peace. I have all this stuff and I feel like I have nothing. Mm -hmm. And I got out of the shower. I looked in the mirror and now it was, I was unrecognizable because I had this, you know, photo shoot earlier. I looked all glamorous, you know, now I come out of the shower. I have black mascara running down my face fake eyelashes, half on, half off. I look like a heavy metal rock star. <laughs> I look like a model. And it was just this image. I'll never forget that image because that matched my inside. Mm. That was like, yeah, this is a lost girl. Um, but it, all it took was the Lord, I need you prayer for all the grace to rush in. And this, I hope, gives a lot of people hope because my grandparents prayed for me every day for those 12 years I was away from the church. My grandmother prayed four rosaries a day and Divine Mercy Chaplet every day and those prayers that we pray for people are not wasted Mm -hmm. and if we're not seeing the effect it might just be that their heart's not open so that's actually a new prayer to add pray for their heart to be open so the grace can rush in but i could tell you like amazing grace rushed in that day i knew like i needed to change my life i knew something had started and it was after that experience a week later i returned from los angeles i'm walking in my bathroom wide awake and I literally was just stopped dead in my tracks. I saw my whole life flash before me. Um, it was kind of like a near-death experience, but I was alive. I didn't know there was a name for this. I was completely and utterly shocked and horrified. And I saw all my sins in full light. And I didn't even know I was in sin. This is the scary part. Mm-hmm. All my shallow prayers and where I was in life, I knew I was broken, but I thought I had a free ticket to heaven. I thought I was a good person. Anyone who knew me, they, even after this, and they heard this, they're like, Joelle, you're a wonderful person. What are you talking about? No, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I saw all my sins in full light, and it is so painful. And my message is one of mercy, but I... Because the catechism says we're going to have all of this happen, it's going to happen at our death, it's going to happen at the second coming. You know, St. Padre Pio talks about it, St. Faustina had it happen to her, not because I'm a saint, but because she's a saint. And she said, St. Faustina said, who could stand before the thrice holy God? Mm -hmm. And this is a woman with like one of the purest souls. So for someone like me who was living in the world, caught up in the world, caught up in the vanities, didn't even understand who I was or what my purpose was, was living so selfishly. To see my sins, and then the worst part was not only did I see my sins, I saw who followed me, mm-hmm. who followed them, who followed them, who followed like the the layers deep, the mm-hmm. ripple effect of what we do in this life. 
Yeah. We have no idea. It's like I couldn't even believe the impact I made in the wrong direction, and I was horrified. And then I was shown to my right, it was like a good column. We'll all be shown it different, but we're basically judged on our works. And I was shown in my good column was the column to love, to be who I'm created to be, to use the gifts and graces God gave me to lead people to him. Mm-hmm. Okay, not away from him, but to him. Mm-hmm. And that column, I wasn't even shown anything in it. I was just shown a line that was really low, like, uh, like mm-hmm. you didn't love. You missed the mark. And then I was shown that the good column, like it kind of lifted up and like it would have came over and crushed my worst sin if there was anything in it, but it was empty. And I honestly, I earned hell. The pain, the excruciation, there's no words for interior pain. It's not physical. There's no words for this. But God gave me a second chance Mm -hmm. and he gives us all that chance. And so my hope with Master of the Pieces is maybe someone won't experience, I don't know, I, this is a very special grace I got, not because I was so great, but because I was so lost. And I know I have the responsibility to share it. So people are like, oh, I wish that happened to me. I'm like, do you really? Mm, <laughs> you yeah. have to go travel the world and tell everybody. But here's the deal is you don't have to do that because I'm telling you. And I <laughs> yeah. hope it is my it yeah. is my prayer. And I pray for everyone reading the book every day that through the Holy Spirit, they have somewhat of an illumination of what God has planned for them. Because at the end of the day, it really wasn't about sin and it wasn't about brokenness. It's about the restoration and the empowerment and filling our good column and loving. And I didn't know the scriptures love covers a multitude of sins. I didn't know the St. John of the Cross quote in the evening of life were judged on love alone. But I could tell you with everything I have, and this is at the core of my mission and ministry, is that we are judged on love and now is the time to love and if we're stuck in the fires and we're stuck in the flames and we're stuck in regret and we're stuck in our wounds then we're not facing outward to love and we're not receiving that love beautifully said we're in the family room we're with joelle marin and we're talking about a book that she's written master of the pieces and joelle i just i don't know whether you count yourself an author or a great in a literary style but i loved your choice of titles master of the pieces we are a masterpiece but it's such a wreck of pieces that he loves and puts together and holds together for us i love paradox and you talk about fire that destroyed your life and the fire that burns in your life now you talked about the high that was the low the low that was the high you you talk about wounded healer Mm -hmm. that seems like an odd concept can you spend a minute (laughs) on that for us yeah it was something i had never heard of before And I went away to a retreat. So I ended up leaving my cosmetic company and everything that I knew um, to go into full-time ministry with no job in sight. And then God, within a few months, put me into full-time ministry. And I ended up going to a convent to pray of like, what am I going to do with this ministry? And there was still, God was putting me back together. And I said, I met with a nun at the convent and I said, why would God use me? Like, this doesn't make sense. Look at what, you know, I'm still healing from a life of a mess. And she said, did you ever hear the phrase wounded healer? Mm -hmm. And I said, I've never heard of that before. And she said, you know, that's basically like Jesus is a wounded healer and that his wounds became a source of redemption. And he wants to do the same for all of us. And I was like praying by the tabernacle later that day. And I felt just kind of like a nudge from the Holy Spirit to go into the library there that I hadn't been in. And I just asked God to like, what book should I read? And it just kind of leaped off the shelf. It got my attention and it said called to heal. Mm. 
And that is my calling, actually, funny enough to heal. But I couldn't see any of it at the time. God was still putting my pieces together while asking me to go out and serve. And I think that's also an important part for everyone listening. You know, don't wait to get all perfect and put back together to start helping other people. So anyway, I pulled this called to heal book off the shelf and I open it and the table of contents, there's a chapter called Wounded Healer. (laughs) (laughs) I just like closed the book crying. I'm like, (laughs) oh my goodness. So, you know, God does speak to us in all different ways and we do need to just be more prayerful and attentive. I don't believe in, in, uh, I don't believe in coincidences. Mm, Mm -hmm. I believe in God incidences. And so a wounded healer really is, just about allowing God to go in that place. Don't wait till you're perfect. You know, become a source of healing for others. And maybe you will be called to share your story at some time to bring someone comfort and say, hey, I've been there before. I understand what you're going through. Maybe you don't even have to tell them and you could just sit with them in the depths of your heart. Maybe Mm -hmm. pray from a new spot, Mm -hmm. you know, having gone through something. That's part of our redemption. Every time I get up and give my my witness, do you think it's easy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, it's painful every time. But I could tell you that the redemption is that when someone walks up after and says, something you said touched my heart. Well, you can't imagine just by being able to connect to someone what you can do in their life. Mm-hmm. And so that is what being a wounded healer, it's an ear to listen to someone. It's being able to pray from your depths for someone else who's going through. It's being a light at the end of their tunnel and saying, I made it through and you will make it through. Mm-hmm. And it's about really unifying and coming together and saying, you're not alone in whatever you're suffering. And that and that we should be suffering together as the body of Christ. You know, with one suffers, we all suffer. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think you, as you describe that, this is a beautiful way to describe your whole book and what your book does and how it draws people through each of these stages and gets them to ask those questions, but helps them to see the prayers that they can pray. And I, you said it earlier when you described Wounded Healer right before the break, you mentioned as you're wounded, your wounds is where the light shines through and you can glorify God. And I think definitely mm-hmm. that's what came out of this for you is that the light is shining through all of your wounds and the light is shining through in your words that God gave you to put on these pages and you are glorifying God and you continue to point back to him. And I think even if we're wounded, we can always point back to God. We can always point back mm-hmm. to God. But the problem is when we're wounded, we're too busy. you are licking our wounds or yeah. looking at the people who wounded us mm-hmm. and we forget yeah. to look up. We forget to look up to the one who is going to restore us, who offers us the grace that you talked about so beautifully, Joelle. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, looking back at the people that have wounded us, we're all prone to that, right? It's just it kind of becomes this gerbil wheel in our mind of unforgiveness, even though we want to forgive. I think most of us actually want to. It's difficult to do that, and we may not always get to that feeling, but we have to remember that when we allow our mind to keep going back into that hurt, we're going back into the fire. We're taking our eyes off of Jesus instead of letting him carry us through. Mm-hmm. So forgiveness is also misunderstood a lot of times. Like, oh, if you forgive, you just feel wonderful inside. No, I think it's what it really is, is just transferring the offense to God. God says vengeance is mine. And then because of that, we actually should be praying for our enemies, mm-hmm. feeling bad for them for hurting us, you know, because, I mean, God is powerful. And obviously we're called to love. And the Bible says tells us the opposite. Talk about paradox. You know, like, love your enemies, bless those that curse you. Like, what? (laughs) But it's not about feeling. It's an act of the will, an act of the faith to say, Lord, this person did X, Y, and Z. Like, name it out loud. Name the offense. Name the hurt. But then just transfer it to him to deal with. Because if you keep looking at that fire, you're the one that's going to get burned, not the person. 
And God wants to carry us through the flames. He wants us to be set free so that we could just keep moving forward. And the fires aren't going away. They're sprouting up all over the place. It's just a matter of, you know, being able to continue to keep our eyes on Jesus. St. Joan of Arc, you know, as she's like literally being persecuted and in the flames, she had a, a priest stand in front of her and hold a cross. And she said, hold the cross higher so I could see it through the flames. We need to get to that point. We need to get to the point where we are just like, okay, these fires are here. They're not going away. But my identity is not in the fire. Who This does not define me. It's refining me. God's allowing it to bring a greater good. But my identity is in Christ. I'm going to keep my eyes on the cross, hold it higher, mm. and keep our eyes above the flames. That's awesome. Yeah, it needs to be a pause so we can all take that in a little I bit know. and uh, drink that in. She just said, it does not define me. It refines me. I mean, there's things all over this book. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, so beautiful. It's very true. Yeah, no, and thank you, because I think, you know, you've brought on a number of things, um, you know, with regard to stop looking around at everybody else thinking their life is wonderful because you don't know how broken they are. Yeah. You know, in your theme, oh, yeah. it's what you've been through. You know, God's going to use every one of us, and he's going to use us right where we are through the pain. And a question that, that comes to mind with all of that stuff is, how did God really restore your dreams? You know, what were your dreams? How did God restore them? Yeah, so I mean, when I, I surrendered my life to God after this happened, I, I was so scared. I, <laughs> I read the whole Bible front to back. I returned to church. I got a spiritual director. I started going to daily mass. This is almost 12 years ago. It wasn't overnight. Being restored to who I am, it took a lot of time. I, I had to keep going to adoration and just asking God, who do you say I am? And, and one time I brought a pen and a paper and I said, I'm not leaving here until you tell me. And I like what lies are in the way that, from me knowing who I am and you and moving forward. And I thought maybe he'd bring like one or two thoughts to mind and I'm waiting and waiting. It was just like thought after thought after thought, like 80 things on this paper I ran out of room. I was that couldn't believe the things that I thought about myself, mm. that God wanted to bring that darkness to the light. And so who we really are and being restored to that, it takes a lot of like, Lord, what's in the way? What are the lies? And by the way, what is the truth of that? And we have to hear it over and over yeah. and over again. I even joined the Carmelites. I was um, went to an event and I just fell in love with the secular order of Descalced Carmelites. I was there four years of formation, made my first promises. And now as a national speaker, I don't have time to go to the meetings anymore. So if I ever go back to make final promises, that's in God's hands. But I would not even be able to be doing the ministry I'm doing now it wasn't for the Carmelites. That's where I learned what prayer looks like. It's a simple conversation with God. Mm -hmm. It's receiving him, letting him go into those places, not worrying what other people think, surrendering to God's will, and learning from the life of the saints. They left this great roadmap for us. Mm -hmm. And I saw what love looked like. Love looks like you receive God, and then you give him to other people. Yep. You don't keep him <laughs> to yourself, and you and you don't get stuck in, in your wounds anymore. And, and again, I'm talking about like on a good day, right? This is what it's supposed to look like, but we all have these ups and downs. And so it's just a matter of going to the sacraments, going to mass, going to prayer, going to adoration, asking God who we are, finding the scriptures that fight your you know, biggest challenge, your biggest wound, the thing that you keep going to confession for, and starting to live a life of virtue, which can only happen through grace. But we need to believe that God will give the grace. He's not going to, he's not going to say like, oh, you want to be holy and you want to work on yourself. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. like, oh, Good wow. luck. Figure it out. <laughs> open. <laughs> he's like, finally, somebody at least wants to try. And he's the one who's going to give the grace. And I really think we need to start walking around in God confidence and saying, 
he does hear my prayers and he does know me and he does love me and he wants good for my life. Imagine this. God actually wants you to be happy. Mm-hmm. He wants you Shocker. to be joyful. But do we feel that way? No. We think he's mean and bad a lot of times. Like, why did this happen to me? And we project that onto him. Not all the time or not all of us, but sometimes we have a tendency and these flames just consume yeah. us. So, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of prayer, a lot of asking, a ton of scripture, reading the Bible, a spiritual director. I mean, I did everything. I joined the Carmelites. I did everything I could. <laughs> I read saint books and, you know, and it works. It really works when you start filling yourself. Instead of filling myself with the things of the world and the images of the world, I started filling myself with good things. And I never in my wildest dreams knew that God was going to resurrect my the dreams I had since I was a little girl. And that's what happens when we turn our life to God. I let go of Hollywood and movies and films and TV. I thought it was all evil. You'll read all in my book a lot of the stuff I went through. I didn't know it could be used for good. I didn't know it was a vehicle for evangelization. God knew this. The enemy knew this. Now my whole life makes sense of why I've been attacked on this. And, you know, always had people saying I couldn't do it or I wasn't good enough, Mm. you know. Look at where your attacks are, and you will find your gift. You will find your mission. And so the difference is now with knowing Scripture, going to church, going to the sacraments, having a spiritual director, knowing, you know, who I was and starting to become rooted in this, God just resurrected my wildest dreams, dreams bigger ones, and he did all the work. So it's all glory to God. Um, Even playing the Blessed Mother, I was pulling up to a Marian shrine. You can't make this up. To pray if God wanted me to go back into acting. I wanted to make sure it was for his glory. I wanted to make sure it could be used for good because I know I'd misused my gifts in the past. And as I pull up to the Marian shrine to pray for this intention, my cell phone lights up and I get a text. Do you want to be in a film about the Eucharist? Oh, wow. And I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I went inside and I prayed to Our Lady to intercede and, and inspire the director as to what role to play not knowing it was going to be the Blessed Mother, which Mm. is like a dream I didn't even dare to dream. So that's Mm. the kind of God we have. If you just open yourself, whatever his will is for your life, if you open up yourself for it, he will move mountains. He will part the Red Sea. He will do what he has to do. Thank you so much for glorifying God with your story, with your life, Joelle. It's been beautiful to hear your words. And as we close today, two things. Would you let our listeners know where they can get your book and the workbook? And then also, would you close us in prayer? Yeah, definitely. So the book is online at Amazon.com. You could put in Master of the Pieces. And my website is JoelleMarin.com. And with that, I will lead us into prayer. Perfect. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for loving us, for giving us, for just being so merciful. Sometimes it's hard, Lord, to forgive ourselves. We ask you for the special grace that, to forgive ourselves for everything that we've ever done. And we ask you in a very special way for everybody listening to this right now, Lord, that you heal them, heal all of us, mind, heart, body, and soul, any way that is needed. We pray that you, as our wounded healer, go into every wound in our life, every ounce of our body and being, all the darkness eradicate it, Lord, and fill it with your holy light. Heal us inspire us, empower us, redeem us, and help us to know who we are in you. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Joel Marin. We've enjoyed having you today with us here in the family room. Join us again <laughs> next week here in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room. Sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.